pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, um, that you've given us an opportunity to be part of your plan and your mission. And, and God, to do that, we really need your heart. We need to be separate from this world, separated unto you and the work that you've called us to. So, Father, I just pray that you would work in our hearts and minds this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so grab your Bibles. There is a handout. There's a literal physical handout for those that are here. And then there's a, uh, a virtual handout, a digital one you can download and fill in, or you could print off whatever you, whatever you would like to do there. But the, we're going to be talking about sowing in tears and reaping in joy. The first, uh, does anyone know who this is? Anyone recognize that face? Anyone know who this person is? She's kind of famous. Tim. Tim Taylor knows who it is, but he can't talk to us. So uh, This is Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman was, is famous for being part of what's called the Underground Railroad. So in the days of slavery in America, there were escaped slaves who had escaped from their captivity, from their bondage, and had made it north somewhere. Um, probably, you know, one of the most well-known ways to escape was they would north, they would get into Ohio, which was a free state. So if you could cross the Ohio River and go from Kentucky, which was not a free state, to Ohio, then you are in a free state. From there, you could easily make it, well, easily, yeah, easily make it to Canada. And of course, this was a secret. It wasn't physically a railroad, obviously, and it wasn't underground. But they called it the Underground Railroad because as soon as, as soon as a slave escaped their slavery, it was like they went underground. They just disappeared and they, and they didn't show up again until Canada because they would go from, from station to station was the code that the people who were part of this used. They, they used a code. In fact, sometimes they would, sometimes they would use religious jargon. The Ohio River, they called the Jordan. In Canada, they called the Promised Land. And people like Harriet Tubman, who would lead slaves to freedom, were called shepherds. So the shepherds would lead the slaves across the Jordan to the Promised Land. And it sounded like they were speaking religiously, but they were actually speaking in code about their plans to lead someone across the Ohio River through into a free state and then from there into Canada. And I think about Harriet Tubman and this was her story. She escaped. She made it. She was free. And this is a woman who then with the freedom that she gained through risking her life through crossing the Jordan. Okay. She then turned around and looked. She had family. She had friends that were still in slavery. 
So what did she do? She went back. She went back where? She went back into the states where slavery was still a thing. She went back. She risked her life, literally. She risked her freedom, literally, to go back and set others free. And Harriet Tubman made 13 such trips to lead out 70 people, including her friends, including her family. Okay, I just imagine having crossed over. So, so, so crossing over into freedom, into liberty, and then looking back at that place where I had come from and risking my life to then go back and set others. That would not be a decision that was made lightly. That would be a decision that you would really have to consider. Do I care enough about them to risk my life to go where they are to bring them out into the pathway that I have already known? See, see the, the slaves who were still there on the plantation, they wanted to be free. They didn't want to live a life of slavery and bondage. They just didn't know the way. They needed someone who was willing to go back and show them the way. How do I get out of the bondage? How do I get out of the slavery? And here's the problem that most people didn't care enough. They wanted their freedom, but they aren't going to go back and risk their freedom now to lead others free, but Harriet Tubman did. Okay, so, so, so there's a verse in, in Psalm 126, and you can turn there with me. Turn to Psalm 126. When the nation of Israel was set free, okay, when their captivity ended and they were able to go back to the land that God had given them, we get Psalm 126. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, verse 1, we were like them that dream. This would be like they were so, that they were like stunned. Psalm 126, verse 1. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us whereof we are glad. Verse 4, turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. And I love that. In the south of, of, of that area, geographically, in, in, this, in the Negev, in the desert, in the hill country. It is dry and it is arid. And the streams, the creeks, the brooks, the rivers, they're, they're kind of, they're, they're more like creek beds than they are creeks. They're dry. Until it rains, okay, until the waters come. And then now all of a sudden that dry creek bed is now a flowing stream of life-giving water into the desert. Turn our captivity like, like, like uh, streams in the south that were dry, but now they're flowing again. I love that. They that sow in tears, verse 5, shall reap in joy. And I think a lot of the reason that we don't have reaping is because we don't have sowing. 
I think a lot of the, the reason we don't have joy is because we don't have tears. And if we would figure out what this means, if we would understand how to sow in tears, then we would reap with joy. Psalm 126, verse 5, and, and then verse 6. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. We know that the world is the field, and the seed is the word of God, and it is precious, exceeding precious promises of the word of God. Second Peter chapter 1, and we are supposed to go forth weeping because we care about those that are still in captivity. We care about those that are lost. We're not okay. So we're going to go and we're going to take the word of God. We're going to sow the seed in the world. And if we can figure out how to do that, then we will bring in the sheaves. There shall be reaping with joy. A lot of Christians don't have joy. It's because they don't have reaping, and they don't have reaping because they're not going, and they're not sowing, and they're not doing it with tears. There are some who are going through the motions, but they're not. There's no tears there, and so we're fasting as a class. We're fasting as a class, and so I'd, I'd like to, if you would, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 58. In Isaiah chapter 58, we get to look at God's fast. We get to look at God's fast. The fast that God has called us to. You say, well, I thought Sam called us to a fast. Well, well, he did. He did. And we are to be fasting, and I thank God for that. It's been really good. But God also has a fast that he's called us to. Let's look at it. Isaiah 58, verses We'll start in verse 6. Okay. God says, Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Okay, so I see someone who doesn't have any clothes. I'll take off my shirt. Well, then I'm uncovered. Yeah, I'm not going to hide myself. I'm going to cover them, okay? With my, my clothing, they'll be covered. All right, verse 7. Verse 8 says, Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily. And thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy rearward. He, he will be our rear guard. Verse 9. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou shalt take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity. That's how the world works. The world works through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life to get things for myself. Oh, yeah. At your expense. Yeah, that's how the world works. No, 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 God says. Don't be pointing the finger. Don't be putting burdens on other people. Don't be speaking vanity. Verse 10. And if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity and thy darkness shall be as the noonday. Look at verse 11. And the Lord shall guide thee continually. That's what I want. Isn't that what you want? 
to be walking in the Spirit and just having the Lord guide you continually. He's like, yeah, that's what I want too. That's part of what I'm calling you to with this fast. And satisfy thy soul in drought. He will satisfy us. And make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden. Oh, let's get back to the garden where God is our God, and he's taking care of the provision and the protection and the promotion. God will be our God. He'll take care of those things. We'll abide with him. We'll walk with him. The voice of God will guide us, and it will be like a watered garden. That's what your life will be like. Oh, my goodness. How do we get back to that place? And we'll be like a spring of water who waters fail not. Okay, living well. I shouldn't even have to preach on that. You ought to know about that from John chapter 4 and John chapter 7. Turn our captivity like streams in the south. That dry, arid creek bed of your evangelical and discipleship activity. Let's get some life there. Let's get some fruit there. Let's get the water flowing. This ministry ought to be a source of life, amen? It ought to be a place where relationships are built based on fellowship. It ought to be a place where, where we come together and there's, what's well, like a watered garden with just streams flowing out into your family and my family, into your workplace, into your community, into our scope of influence. There ought to just be streams in the desert of life coming out of a fruitful ministry and they shall and they that shall be of thee shall build the old places thou shall raise up the foundations of many generations and thou shall be called the repairer of the breach called us to let's look at this isaiah chapter 58 6 through 12 if you're not with us yet to fast is to abstain from something that you would otherwise normally eat or drink or something that you would otherwise normally partake in. Netflix, entertainment, amusement, okay? This little guy right here, okay? Just all day long, just on that thing, amusement. So, so abstain from something that would normally bring us satisfaction in some way okay that's what a fast is now we fast from something that we would normally partake in to get satisfaction from it either emotionally physically socially some of you are, are probably fasting from social media. Some of you are fasting from sweets. Some of you are fasting from, um, I don't know, naps. I don't know. Whatever, you, whatever you're fasting from, it, it is for a reason, is it not? You're fasting. We didn't call a fast because we don't like you. It's like, oh, I can't stand Tim. I know. Let's call it fast. That'll show it. Like, it's not to punish anybody. What is the purpose of this fast? Okay, good question. What's the purpose of the fast that God has called us to? What did we see in verse 6? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke. See, so, so we want to fast 
to set us free from something. We want to fast so that we can help set others free from something. There are, according to verse 6, bands of wickedness that need loosed. There are heavy burdens that need undone. There are the oppressed that need to go free. And there are yokes that need to be broken. And so, what about that? Well, so we fast. Okay, here's how that works. Number one, we see separation from the world and the world's ways. This sets us free from the bondage of the world. Don't you know that to the extent that you are entangled in the world, you are bound to the things of the world? We see separation not just from the world, but we see separation unto God and to his ways. We saw that in verse 11. And the Lord shall guide thee continually. Well, when's he going to do that? Well, when you, when you separate from the world and you separate unto God, then what happens is now, instead of being led by my carnal impulses, being, being led by my desires, being led by my neediness, being led by my fear. Now I'm being led by the Lord, and he is my source of satisfaction. See, I fasted from something that would otherwise bring me satisfaction to separate from that thing. It is as if to say, I don't really need that as much as I need the Lord, and so I'm going to trust God to be my source of satisfaction. I can get by without that. I can't get by without him. I need to separate from the world because the things which used to be a blessing have turned into bondage, and now I need them to be okay. There was a there was a television show in which, I'm sorry, a television commercial. It was a Chevy commercial, I think. But this guy, he, he, he was making a point. He took the phones, and he took people's phones, and they hesitantly handed them over. Then he, like, threw them in a wood chipper and ground them up. Okay people's reaction was visceral like they are the the younger people especially they're not okay without their phones my kids can't believe there was a day in which i got into an old pickup truck with 200,000 miles on it and drove when i was 17 years old drove to to the rocky mountains to go camping or hiking or skiing by myself without a phone they said, well, what if something went wrong? I said, well, you just figured it out. You just found a way. You, you got help or you fixed it yourself. You know, for, for a lot of people, their phones, they're not okay without their phones. And those of us who used to live without one, we would not just be okay without our phones. It would be like, like, hallelujah. But they do help with communication. I'm not anti-phone. Just saying that thing that was initially a blessing for some people has turned into bondage. I have to have my phone to be okay. Oh, yeah, well, do you need God like that? If you fast for your phone, do you go through a little withdrawal? Okay, well, good. Take that tension and let it draw you to the Lord. Are you fasting from meals? Good. Well, take that time when you're hungry. Let your grumbling stomach remind you it's time to draw near to the Lord. We separate from the world and its ways. We separate unto God. That frees us from the bondage of the world and allows us to be in tune with the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Spirit as we walk in the Spirit. Now, 
doing this deliberately, separating from the world and separating unto God, when you make that decision after thinking about it, like Harriet Tubman, if I go back, I risk my life. I risk my place here and everything that I've built in Ohio. I don't know that she was in Ohio and across the river, but 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 that the person who's gonna go and risk everything, I'm gonna risk my freedom, I'm gonna risk my place in this world to go set them free of liberation. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna cross that river? Crossing that river, you do this deliberately, it's called consecration. Consecration is the, is the biblical term for something that's dedicated, a sacrifice that's dedicated for a certain thing. Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh. They never crossed the Jordan. And the reason why is because they had a really good spot there. I believe it was in Goshen. They had a really good spot there, which was going to be really good for their cattle. And to go into the promised land, which God had for them, would have meant leaving a known, let me put this in quotes, good life, to just simply entering in and trusting God. Here's the problem, though. How are Gad, Reuben, and, and, and that half a tribe of Manasseh, how are they ever going to lead people into the promised land if they're not willing to go there themselves? You see, if we're, well, here, we'll get there. Remember, uh, there is no gain but by loss. Remember that song? Here's the second verse on that. Our souls are held by all they hold. Slaves are still slaves in chains of gold. To whatsoever we may cling, we make it a soul-changing thing. Whether it be life or land, like Reuben, Gad, and half of Manasseh. And dear as our right eye or hand. Whether it be life or land, as dear as our own right. Whatever we cling to, clings to us and. a and, and so I think about those three tribes, and they were satisfied with what the world offered them. The problem is they never got to where God wanted them. And when the enemy came, they were the first to, to fall. It did not turn out long term. Because the world is a dry and thirsty land. So this consecration, you know... It, once we consecrate ourselves, then we can be a part of setting other spiritual captives free. And that's the point that I'm building to. And I, and I say spiritual because we're not going to fast and pray and then foment a riot and go down and, and, and then we're going to raid Jackson County Detention Center and set all the prisoners free. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about social justice. We're looking at this with spiritual eyes. Those that are captive are captive to this world system, to the world, the devil, and the flesh. They don't even know it. They need to be set free. We need to be a part of setting others free. Harriet Tubman was able to leave, lead others, but she was just taking them down the path that she herself had already walked. 
having been set free, learning the way out of slavery into liberty, she was now able to take others and lead them down the same path. But until you leave this world, you will never be any good at leading others out of it. Consecration. Separating from this world and separating unto God, making a decision that I'm willing to sow in tears that I may reap in joy. In, in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 10, read that verse with me. Isaiah 58, verse 10. And if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, So here's a hungry person right there. There's a hungry person. Well, what's that have to do with me? I had breakfast this morning and I'll have lunch this, at noon. Do I draw out my soul to the person who's hungry or not? Let me put it just very simply. Do you even care? Do you care that, that people are in bondage? Do you care that people are lost? Does your soul go out to the hungry, to the captive, to those who are in bondage? And I tell you what, we have a book that teaches liberty. It teaches salvation, but then it teaches walking in the spirit, not following the law. I know I have brothers and sisters in Christ who are ignorant, hungry for a Bible teaching, Bible believing ministry. Am I going, do I care enough to invite them to come and see what God is doing? Come and taste of the liberty that we have in Christ. They're hungry spiritually. Do I, does that move me? Does my soul go out to them? I have friends and family who are lost, separated from God. And if they die that way, that is their eternal destiny, separated from God. Does my soul go out to them? Or am I just satisfied to stay on this side of the river because it's too risky? It might cause personal harm for me or my family to be a part of entering God's plan, to have God's heart. So you just, if you're not consecrated, then you, you care more about yourself and your place in this world than you do about seeking and saving the lost. But let me just tell you, I know you're trying to protect yourself. I know you're trying to protect your family. But it doesn't work. It doesn't bring joy. That's not what you're here for, is to be safe. Ships are safe in the harbor. That's not what ships are for. Okay, let's look at an illustration. Turn with me to 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel, we see David. David had been chased around by Saul long enough that he went and lived with the Philistines. It was there, and the king had, had given him, the king of, the, of that Philistine area, Achish, had given him Ziklag to live in. David and his men were living in Ziklag. They were doing raids on some of these other countries. They told the king they were raiding Judah, but they really weren't. Okay, so David now 
was going to go to war with his Philistine king, but the other Philistines said, uh-uh, this guy isn't coming with us. This is the David. They said he slew 10,000s. Yeah, we, they were talking about us. He's not coming to war with us. Send him back to wherever you kept him in your little town. So David and his men weren't able to go to, to war. It's an interesting story. But, but David comes back, and he goes back home to Ziklag, where the men had left the women and, and the kids. And verse 1 says that it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. David comes home and his city, his town is on fire. And all the women and the kids were carried away. Look at verse 2. So they came, they didn't kill the people, they took the people captive and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burnt with fire. Their wives, their sons, and their daughters were taken, what? Taken captive. David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. David's two wives were taken, both Hinoam. And Abigail, and David was greatly distressed in verse 6 because the people wanted to stone him. They were grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But look in verse 6, something the, 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 they turn the corner, something changes. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God, and he said to Abiathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me the ephod. And he did, and David inquired of the Lord in verse 8. And, and, and David said, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him. And he answered him, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the 600 men that were with him, and they came to the brook Bezor, where those that were left behind stayed. Well, what's that mean? Well, we'll look at verse 10. But David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Besor. And so, to make a long story short, David comes to his city with some men. They were going to go fight the war. They got kicked out. They had to go back home. They come home. Their city's on fire. Their wife, their sons, and their daughters were taken captive. Everyone's so grieved. They weep until they have no more tears. People are so mad. They want to stone David. But David encourages himself in the Lord, and he prays. And God says, go get them. Pursue. Pursue the captives. Pursue your sons. Pursue your daughters. Pursue your wives. Pursue the enemy. Go. And so David takes his 600 men and they go, but then there's the brook. And 200 couldn't cross over. 400 could. So the 400 pursued, they met a guy, they got instructions, they went, they defeated the enemy, they got their people back. The 400 that crossed the river were the ones that got the victory, that fought the battle, that brought the, the people back. Now David takes care of the 200 that were left behind. The people that stayed with the stuff, they, they got, they were okay, they got some loot, you know. They got their wives and their kids back, but they didn't get to be part of the victory. They were too faint to cross over the brook, and so they didn't get to lead anybody back over the brook.
See, how, how, how can I lead someone over the river if, I've, if I'm too faint to cross over the river myself and go get them? This crossing the river is the Bible's type or picture of consecration for us. So, so what does all this really mean for us? Well, in terms of, of a personal application, our earthly home is on fire. Just like David came to Ziklag and his home is on fire. Guys, guess what's at the center of our earth physically? You're like, I don't have to guess. I learned this in junior high geography or whatever. Our earth is literally filled with fire, molten, molten iron and lava, spiritually. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, 2 Peter 3, 7 says, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire. Physically, the center of our earth is on fire. Spiritually speaking, our, this, the, the fire is right there. It's reserved. Spiritually speaking, just waiting for someone to light the match. You can look at, you can look at some other verses there. I think of 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Don't you know that your works are going to be tried by fire? Don't you know that everything that's not eternal is going to burn? Our home is on fire. Okay. Our sons and daughters, and, and I don't know, spouses, I don't, I don't know. I don't know everybody's situation, maybe is what they'd like, but, or, or as they'd like, whatever. Maybe, you know what I'm saying. Okay. Our sons and daughters are currently being held captive by the enemy. You say, well, no, 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 my sons and daughters are saved. Yeah, I'm not just talking physical families. I'm talking about your spiritual heritage. Where are the next disciples. Where is your next disciple? Where is the next child in the faith, your daughter in the faith, that you are going to lead to the Lord and be a spiritual mentor, a spiritual parent? Where are they? I know. They're out walking around on the streets. That, that's where your children are. They are captive to the enemy. Well, that just makes me a little mad as a father. It makes me a little mad that my future children and grandchildren spiritually are currently captive, in bondage, yoked to the enemy, blind to the truth, enslaved. And who's going to be the one who's going to cross the river and say, I will leave my place in this world? And I will risk my life to go show them the way that somebody showed me and, and be like Harriet Tubman. I'm not too faint. I feel like maybe I am, but by the grace of God, I'll go pursue. I, I'm not so content to have a good life in this world, Gad, Reuben, and half of Manasseh. You know, the streams in the south are just dry creek beds. That's what my life looks like in terms of evangelism and discipleship, but no more. I'm going to cross the river that I may have a life that looks like a watered garden spiritually, and from there, 
streams of life will flow out. But listen, you got to be consecrated. You have to make a decision to leave your place in this world. Well, you say, well, what's that mean? Well, that's a good question. What's that mean for you? What do you have to let go of? I know you need to, to die to what this world offers you. I, need to, I know you need to let God be the provider. A lack of weeping, praying, and pursuing is caused by a lack of consecration. I ordered 500 invitation cards, business card size invitation cards for Living Well Bible Study. It says you're invited to Bible study on the front and on the back as a little line for the time and the date so that we could hand out invitation cards to Bible studies. Is that going to work? Do potlucks work? Does Discovery Bible Method work? Does Creation to Christ work? Can we be Methodists and come up with a method and then that's going to set the captives free? Well, <laughs> nothing works. Nothing works. Let's best. He's a horrible leader. Our house is on fire and our, and our stream beds are dry. We don't have a, a spiritual heritage. Our sons and daughters, the people that should be here with us are captive to the world. Yeah, okay. Well, are you willing to leave your place in the world? Are you willing to consecrate your life to God? Are you willing to separate from that and separate unto this and look at that river and say, you know what? I'm crossing the river. Yeah, I know that at some point, feet are going to come off the ground. And I'm going to have to go. And when I get to the other side, I'm no longer where I was. I'm, I no longer have that place. But now it's just like, well, God, you have to provide. Yeah. God says, that's what I want. God, I'm giving up satisfaction in the world. Here's what consecration is. You ready? It's just a fast, except it's your whole life. Just going to fast from satisfaction in the world, period. I'm going to, I'm going to fast from finding that that nice life, and I'm just going to go have a life worth living, and God's going to be my God, and that's our last point. Leave this world behind and cross the river. Enter into the land of promise where God is your God. See, until you do that, you can't lead out of the world until you leave the world yourself. I know you're saved. I'm not just talking about that. If the world is your home, practically, emotionally, socially, then guess what? You're not going to be very good at leading people out of it because you actually really like it. And you're not consecrated to God. You're not consecrated to God's mission. And the fact that there's people that are dying and lost and captive doesn't really have anything to do with you. See, we need... We need to cross the river. Leave this world behind. Enter the land of promise where God is your God. And this is the last point. The way this world is wired, okay, the temptation in the garden. Eat of this fruit and ye shall be as what? God's knowing good from evil. In other words, 
you know, on this side of the Jordan, let's try to stay in the screen. On this side of the Jordan, it's how the devil works. You get to be your own God. You get to decide right and wrong for yourself. You provide for yourself. You protect yourself. You promote yourself. And you do that at everyone else's expense. I mean, you're not trying to promote yourself at everyone else's expense, but that's, that's the only way to promote yourself. That's the only way to protect for yourself. That's the only way to provide for yourself. And once we cross into the promised land, now we're living and it's God's idea. No, okay, I've given up. I'm going back to the garden and God, you provide, you protect, you promote, you take care of me and I'm just going to walk with you and God, whatever you lead me to do, I'm just going to say, yes, Lord, but this is what I know he's told us. Well, can you reach out your soul to those that are afflicted, those that are hungry? Are you willing to go? And now all of a sudden, you, as you walk with God, as your witness becomes so powerful, the fruit comes and you sow in tears because you care. And now you reap with joy. Your ministry becomes fruitful. This place, I don't care about numbers, but I know this. Living well needs to be a fellowship where there's life where there's fruit. We need to have the sheaves. We need to have life here. We need to have discipleship, evangelism, baptism, people moving forward in their faith. We need to, that's what brings joy. That's what we're looking for. That's God's plan. But to do that, you know, we need consecration. So I would just say this in closing. You need to consider where you're at in terms of, of making a deliberate decision to separate from the world and separate unto God. Can I just live my life every day like I'm fasting from the world? Consecration is a lifestyle of fasting the things of the world and separating unto God. And as we draw near to him, we get his heart. And all of a sudden, your eyes start to be open. You're like, hey, I'm not okay with my neighbors being lost. Now that affects me. My soul goes out to them. Now I'm praying for them. Listen to Gail's testimony, how God worked through this fast. We need a lifestyle of fasting. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for everyone here and online. And, and God, we just say yes. Uh, we, wanna, we wanna cross the Jordan. We want to live our lives separated from this world and separated unto you. God, amusement of this world, we say no to it. The trappings of this world, we say no. God, the, the offerings of this world, the, 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 the lands, and, and God, we just say no, we don't need any of that. We need you, and God, we care more about others than we do ourselves. Oh God, help us to see with your eyes. Help us not to waste our lives with these last few months or years that we have before your return. God, I pray for a, a fellowship that's consecrated. God, would you do a work in us and through us? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.